Hey, Shredders. Welcome to Shred Podcast, Episode 15. I'm sitting here today with Marcus Criaturo. Hey, Marcus. Good morning. Uh, if you recall, a couple weeks ago, I put out on our Facebook social media page uh, that I need, was going to ask for questions and ideas for podcasts. So we got some great ideas from some members. Uh, some of those are going to develop into full-fledged podcasts. Some of them were just like questions that people had. And we got enough of those that I'm going to do a quick fire. We're going to call it the two-minute drill with Marcus. I'm going to hit him with some of those questions, and he's going to have two minutes to give us an answer. So we just kind of move through these questions pretty fast. If you know Marcus, that's going to be a little bit of a challenge. Definitely. We're going to keep him, we're going to keep him on the shot clock today. All right. All right. So uh, a couple questions came in about nutrition and diet. So let's start off with um, CrossFit itself when it first came out has a philosophy. Uh, the CrossFit nutrition is eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. What are your thoughts about that? I love it. It, it, keeps, it, it keeps nutrition very simple. Um, that, that's coming from you know, CrossFit HQ and Coach Glassman. And it's, it, it keeps it simple. There's so, there's so many books, magazine articles, you know, podcasts, I mean, research, I mean, there's so many things in nutrition out there, which is all, all great stuff, all great information, you know, uh, but it tends to be overwhelming. And I think if, as we has, as we have seen with CrossFit, that the body is the machine, right? You walk into a CrossFit gym and it is some barbells, some kettlebells and some pull-up bars, Right, right. It's the body becomes the machine. We CrossFit has simplified fitness, as opposed to not that there's anything wrong with this, but as opposed to having these big bulky machines that weigh seven thousand pounds, filling the seas of another gym, where we can be, we can streamline our equipment, we can have less space, we can decrease the time, increase the intensity, and as we have been shown that it's proven to have better results. It's simplified, right? It's, it's simplified. And the same thing I think goes along with their nutrition and their tagline, eat meat and vegetables, nuts and seeds, some fruit, little starch, no sugar. Right. And what's keeping it simple. That comes from the definition of fitness in a hundred words. That yes. Greg Glassman wrote. Mm -hmm. That is the first line of his fitness in a hundred words. And, and I would encourage all of our shut athletes to Google that. You know, research that fitness in a hundred words, coach Greg Glassman, CrossFit, you know, and, and you're going to, you're going to read that and you, you're going to see how, how it's, that doesn't mean it's easy, right? These yeah. workouts are challenging and obviously we modify according to athletes skill level and, and, and experience and things like that to keep them safe. However, um, it simplifies things. And I love how the, the, the nutrition uh, tagline that they have there just kind of simplifies nutrition because there's so much information out there that athletes become overwhelmed and they don't know what to do. They become paralysis analysis is what I like to say. So if we just simplify it, people tend to follow it a little bit better and, and it just gets the ball moving and they start to see great results really, really quickly. All right. Well, first question in, we're already 30 seconds over our first right. shot clock. Right. I'm ready. I'll do better. <laughs> so, so let's try to get better on the next, next one. one. So we talked about um, some different diets. There's a lot of diets out there. You know, you have the keto, you have Whole30, Weight Watchers, mm -hmm. uh, Paleo. Um, that can be pretty confusing for an athlete. Sure. How do we break that down? What, what makes the most sense? So I, I think, first of all, I don't really, I don't really like the term diet. 
right? I, I like the nutritional lifestyle, eating healthier, eating for performance in the gym with whatever your goals are, whether they're weight loss or to get stronger or whatever the case may be. So I really don't like the term diet. However, <clears throat> but I understand it. I, I respect it. I understand it. So um, I think I think all diets or nutritional information out there, people are looking for two things. They, they, they need to work on two things. <clears throat> Majority of people, it's an epidemic in our country, they want to lose weight. So diets or nutritional uh, you know, um, guidelines to follow yeah. are doing two things, restricting the calories and also possibly the quality of the food or both. And we have seen that when people increase the quality of their food, if their quality of their food is better and they stop eating out of a box – or they stop eating out of the pantry and they have to eat whole foods, it they're not able to eat as much because we have a sense of satiety, which that's the medical term for fullness, a feeling of fullness and satisfied, right? Satiety. So if we have that feeling, we're going to get that feeling more often and, and sooner with whole foods and real foods, your nuts and seeds, your meat and vegetables, what, what Glassman talks about. Versus the processed food. So therefore, we don't eat as much. So it helps us control our calories. And it's kind of a win-win. And part of that fitness in 100 words, which you referenced earlier, is that we want to keep intake, intake levels that support activity but not, not excess body fat. Just enough food to support activity. It's funny. When I first started with you, you know, I, I weighed close to 500 pounds. Lost 200 pounds, and all you told me from a, a nutrition standpoint was, if you're hungry, eat. Just make sure it's good for your body. That's right. That's right. Simple. Yeah. And what we what we did with, with your story and your testimony, Scott, which is a powerful one, is that we took – we just flipped the types of foods you were eating. And just by that alone, you started feeling better. Yeah. You started having more energy. You dropped 10 pounds, and it was real quick just by, just by changing the types of foods. So one, one thing that's really prevalent out there right now that you're hearing a lot of is fasting or intermittent fasting. Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, so when I, when I, when I hear the term intermittent fasting, and that, that's come to light recently, uh, you know, a lot more in the media um, and on information when we research nutrition, is that the first thing that comes to my mind is breakfast. Let's break that term down. You're breaking the fast of not eating for six, seven, eight hours, however long you were, you were sleeping. You're breaking the fast. That, that alone itself is an intermittent fast, right? Now, what we've, what we've seen is that the research says if we extend that to a longer period of time and maybe say, let's not eat until 10 a.m., let's not eat until noon, something like that, what do you think, it's, what do you think that underlying goal of intermittent fasting is? calorie restriction. Yeah. It's testing that individual to, to see if they can decrease their calories within that 24 hour period, according to their life cycle of when they go to work, when they go to the gym, when they, you know, their, their lifestyle. So to me, I think that's the biggest thing of, that's the underlying goal of the intermittent fasting pretty much in my opinion. And I haven't done a ton of research on it. I'm not an expert on intermittent fasting, but I think it's the calorie restriction is the underlying goal of, of that, of that program. And I've heard um, Coach Bergeron from CrossFit New England, someone that you trained under uh, a couple of years ago. Multiple times. Um, yeah. He talks about how intermittent fasting, there, he does see some benefits to that. But fasting, he thinks the, if you go super long, it actually can be a detriment. 
Yes, especially especially when we talk about, you know, probably the majority of our listeners are CrossFitters. That's the majority of our listeners here. If we go too long, it's going to be counterproductive because we need to be able to fuel our bodies appropriately too. We need to be able to fuel our bodies for our Saturday morning team workouts and our, you know, Wednesday morning workouts or whatever it is. So we, that it, it could end up being detrimental if you don't, if you don't pay attention to it for sure. And you end up being sluggish and your strength will go down. You'll, you'll increase your risk of injury and things like that. And you just want to have the energy for your family, your kids. All right. So the next question we're probably going to hit on in a full podcast as part of it. Um, but I want to touch on it just briefly because there was a lot of these questions that came in okay. and that is nutrition pre and post-workout. Say you're running late to class, getting here to shred, um, you haven't eaten in five hours, and you need some energy to get you through a workout. What, yeah. What's a solution to that problem? Yeah, to keep this quick and simple, you need some, some form of sugar to give you some energy. Right, that we can so a sugar packet, <laughs> not a sugar <laughs> packet, no equal packets or you know things like that. Um, don't tear open the Splendor Equal or Sweet and Low, and I'm not talking about that. Um, what I am talking about is a whole natural food that can give you good, um, a good quality sugar content to give your body a little bit of energy to give you some muscle glycogen to burn through that workout. Right. So some examples. Uh, very simple and convenient is a banana, an apple, maybe some applesauce, um, so, so, you know, a kiwi, so, something like that, some, some sort of fruit to give you some, some sugar and give your muscles some energy to, per, to pro- propel you through the workout. So then you've done that workout. Your muscles are all broken down. What can you do to, to help you after that workout's over? Carbs and protein, period. Those are the two things that you need after a workout. Some research says within minutes – Right when you're done and your heart rate comes back down, and, and some research says eh, I'll give you a little bit of a buffer, maybe a 30 minute window. I've, I've seen 20, I've seen 30. You know, now it's saying with these high intensity crossfit workouts, they're saying within five minutes of your body, you know, recovering is get that, get that, get that stuff in. But carbs and protein, I, I tell you one, and this is just me. This is one little thing I used to do. This this might be gross for some people, but uh, um, I used to do it more now. Uh, used to do it more. Uh, years ago than I do now, but I would take, um, half of a sweet potato. I'm just bake a sweet potato and I would put a little bit of applesauce on it. And then I would put a scoop of whey protein in it. And I, and I would do, and so you got, you got carbohydrates, you have some complex carbs in the sweet potato, you have applesauce, which is that quick sugar to replenish your glycogen. And then a scoop of a little whey protein, you mix together, almost like, like a paste, like a pudding type thing. And, and you would, I would eat that. And you got carbs and protein. You don't want to really have a lot of fat and stuff like that. Um, and we'll get into that. That might be. A, yeah. that, that I think that's a, a much podcast, longer talk for sure. Um, for the sure. only thing I do want to say is, you know, research that I've seen in podcasts and different things that I've looked at that you you can't that you protein you can only digest so much of it at a time. Yes. You know, just because one scoop is good for you post post workout doesn't mean three scoops is right. better. Right. Right. Your body can only digest so much protein. Yeah. And I think, uh, and we can go through the stats on that, but that would, we'll table that. I think that's a great uh, podcast in itself for, you know, 15 minutes. Okay, cool. Uh, so the next thing is food allergies and intolerances. How does that affect nutrition? I know at the level one seminar, they actually talk about uh, the top three food intolerances that can actually create swelling in the body. And you don't even know you're really intolerant of it unless you remove it from your diet for 30 days. Yes. Yep. And I remember that at, uh, at the level one, which I took with you yeah. um, in that lecture. And I think the biggest, the biggest three things were dairy, uh, legumes and gluten, right? Mm-hmm. So if you truly have an allergy to those things, 
remove them for your diet um, or your nutritional lifestyle for 30 days and see if you don't see if your sinuses don't clear up. See if you have a little bit more energy. See if your aches and pains kind of go away. And you may or may not have an intolerance. I think everybody's different. You know, I'm not a food allergy expert by any by any means. But when you eliminate these things that kind of um, kind of uh, develop that inflammation or but that silent killer is what it's called that inflammation we have inflammation in our joints and inflammation around our organs it kind of leads to disease right and um, and so uh, so the, the the inflammation we want to get rid of that get rid of that and a lot of our processed foods a lot of our sugary foods lead to inflammation in the body so if we cut those things out and take them out for 30 days see how see if, if you feel different and also, they said if that isn't clear cut, if you reintroduce it after the 30 days, you'll definitely know if you have yep. an intolerance. Because yep. after being without it for 30 days, reintroducing it will will kick up whatever that was, that intolerance was even a little more than probably it was before. There you go. Yep. Um, so next thing is fish oil. Mm. Why is it important? Yep. Uh, fish oil has been researched uh, very extensively to decrease the inflammation in one's body, right? It's known as like, you, have, you know, you have aspirin and ibuprofen, you know, on the medical side of things, which are, which have their place. Uh, but fish oils is kind of termed the natural anti-inflammatory product. You know, that's why we say we encourage our athletes to eat a you know, wild caught fish and salmon and things like that because that's powerful anti-inflammatories because of the omega-6, the omega-3s, the omega-9s, things like that. Um, so that that's why it's important in a nutshell for sure. And, and I've also heard that really the importance is to balance the 9s, the 6s, and the 3s. It's about having a balance of that across yeah. the board. Yeah, a lot of our foods that we eat in our typical American diet have a they have a higher content of I always get this backwards. I think it's the six. Yeah, I know the nines and sixes are more prevalent in yes. What I, we eat. I always get that backwards. Yes, I think it's the I'm pretty sure it's the nines and the sixes that we have a higher content of in our in our American diet, and not as much of the threes. So it might be easier for those people to eat healthier, which will naturally decrease the omega-6 and omega-3s, and it will naturally balance the 3s with the 6s and the 9s, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I hope I say that. Yeah. I, I know I've heard where the 9s are really prevalent in processed foods. Yep, for sure. Um, and the 6s are, are we get a lot of through a natural diet. Yep. The 3s are the is the fish piece that yep. we're missing. Yep. Um, and that's why fish oil helps balance it out. But it's not just adding the fish oil, but trying to decrease De those processed exactly. foods. I totally agree with you. And we live, you know, and we're in Ohio. We live in the Midwest. I don't know about you, but I was raised on a lot of steak and potatoes. Yep. We don't live on the east and west coast where fish is more fresh. And it just doesn't come to as mind as much for us Midwesterners, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, very, fish oil, very important for sure. All right. So strength-biased programming. Oh, um, this has come up a couple times. I know I've heard it around the gym. This has been asked through our athletes. You know, we used to do at shred strength bias programming. Mm -hmm. We we've gone away from that. I think there are good reasons why we have. I'd like you to explain why we've kind of gone away from that. Man, this right here is def definitely a whole other podcast for sure on this topic. Um, so I'll keep this. I'll keep this one within two minutes. All right. So. Uh, for those of you listening, we did we used to do the strength biased programming here at Shred, and what that means was is pretty much every single day we would do some form of strength training movement, and it would be followed by a, a, a wad, right, a, a ten or fifteen minute workout, whatever the case may be. And in a nutshell, 
we did that for probably a good six months to a year. And what, what I found was, is that the quality of the coaching went down, uh, because we didn't have enough time within the hour to get it in and people were leaving early to go pick up their kids or we were running behind on schedule. Um, people, uh, there, they weren't, there was too much volume, right? Lifting day after day after day after day. And they were getting hurt. Their bodies were breaking down. Our injury rate went sky high. And, 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 and lastly, when you look at the CrossFit pyramid, nutrition is at the bottom, right? We just spent the last couple questions yep. on nutrition. So it's almost like we should have a nutritional biased <laughs> CrossFit program. Maybe talk more about nutrition than, than we do, yeah. right? And then the second vein up on that pyramid, if you picture a pyramid, the second uh, vein up from the base nutrition is metabolic conditioning. So we want to get our athletes conditioned more than the strength bias because I think it has the highest carryover to what athletes' goals are. Yeah. To be metabolically conditioned, your heart rate's going to lower, your triglycerides are going to improve, your cholesterol is going to improve. Not to say that that won't do that with strength training, but there's a better carryover with a metabolic conditioning piece. I know when I first walked in the door, I needed to be fitter and and have more of that nutrition yep. metabolic conditioning. I was 500 pounds. Yep. I didn't need to be stronger at that moment. I just needed to be um, more fit in my yes. heart to my heart rate to come down my yes yeah do you know how hard your heart had to work to pump the nutrients and blood through your body at 500 pounds i had really hard and so now if we lose that weight and the heart there's not as much stress on the heart you're going to be healthier and we want to look at our fitness as a slow distant horizon to uh to getting more fit and being a being more active when we're older you know so if we if we biased our programming to strength only it might not help the majority of people that want to lose weight, be healthier. Because when I see an athlete come in and they write down their goals on our enrollment form, it's 99% of the time it's lose weight, have more energy, be more active, be more flexible. You know, there's get stronger in there, but we know with learning technique alone, and if you drop five, 10 pounds, pull-ups are going to be easier. You're going to be stronger on pull-ups. So the strength piece that naturally kind of happens as an adaptation over time, but a great topic that, to, that we could table and maybe do a whole podcast on for sure. Okay. Awesome. So recently, last week, I think it was, we actually had on or beyond the whiteboard that it was deload week. That might've been this week. I don't it was one of those weeks, right? Um, we've had a lot of questions. What does deload week mean? Because the workouts seem just as hard yeah. um, and are just as brutal, but we always see this deload week. Yeah, so let me explain what that is. So the deload week pertains to just that, the strength training portion of our program. It allows the central nervous system to kind of recover from that heavy volume. That are, it could be volume or weight. Right, yeah. we could do a lot of squats, or we could do, we could do uh, small reps and heavy squats. Right, each ha each entity is its own little training program. Right, and, and CrossFit is constantly varied. So the deload very simply refers to the weight training portion of our workout week when we program our workouts. It really has no underlying effect on the actual metabolic conditioning or gymnastic based wads, if that makes sense. So when people see when people see, man, this twenty minute AMRAP is really challenging. This is a deload week, coach. You know, we, we yeah. kind of laugh about it. It's pertaining to we didn't program a heavy set of three back squats prior to this workout. That's, that's what the deload week by and large means. Oh, and that makes it real simple. Okay. So 
The next thing I have is what is the difference between training for a competition and training for fitness? So, um, and what I mean by that is when you're in a competition, you're trying to be the most efficient you can be, the almost the smallest range of motion that's allowable by the judge. (laughs) When you're training for fitness, we want full range of motion because we want to work the entire muscle group. And maybe I just explained the answer uh, as I was as I was asking the question, um, but I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. I know we have a lot of athletes who get so try to be efficient during the daily grind. Yeah. When really, if unless you're getting ready for a big competition, you really want to work the whole muscle group. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and this comes back to, and you kind of answered it, Scott. And this comes back to um, technique and the movement standards, right? We want to make sure – we talk about it shred all the time. We use the uh, acronym MCI, right? M stands for mechanics. C stands for consistency. And then I stands for intensity. So athletes have to demonstrate consistency of the mechanics and then and only then do we increase the intensity as coaches, be it more reps or more weight, right? And so – when we train for competition, there's going to be more volume. There's going to be maybe more intense workouts, things like that, um, to ramp your body up for that competition. But when you're training for overall fitness, those movement standards are what's the key. Because our, I always tell athletes, as far as the st- – we always tell our athletes it's about the stimulus of the workout. The weights and reps sometimes sometimes are irrelevant, right? Unless you're in a competition, you have to do 20 squats. You have to. But in a, in a, when we're just training for fitness in our normal everyday Tuesday workout, it's, it's, hey, Joe, let's get the stimulus of this workout. If we need to decrease our squats to 15 instead of 20, the only thing that knows that is your brain. That's the only thing that knows it. Your heart rate doesn't know that you, did, that you didn't do 20. It doesn't know that you did 15 instead of 20. Only your brain does. So if we attack the stimulus with our heart rate, with the muscles being challenged, that's going to lead to better overall fitness. And if we keep the movement standards uh, well, then we're going to decrease our risk of injury as well if we follow that MCI. Okay. So I'm going to skip to the last question because we're a little bit over time right now. And we'll move some of the other questions to the next two-minute drill we do. Uh, as we record this, we are less than a week out from Murph, right? Yep. So I had questions where what do I do if I'm sore, especially after a long workout? How do I help this? Yeah. So you can, I mean, that's, that's a good question. I mean, I think, you know, you see those things uh, on the internet, social media with the ice baths and the contrast baths where you spend so much time in hot water and then so much time in cold water. And it's kind of, it's called a contrast bath. And, you know, you see the, uh, the Mac, Mac pros where they do the electrical stimulation of the muscles to help with recovery and things like that. I think all that stuff has its place for sure. But that's, let's be honest, probably the majority of our athletes listening aren't going to do contrast baths. Maybe they don't have a Mac Pro or some electrical stimulation there to help them. I would say the majority of people don't. Um, so I would think the best thing to do is recover is, number one, is rest your body a little bit, right? When I say rest, I mean don't, don't rest for five days. Don't sit in a chair or lay in your bed for five days. That's not what I mean. I mean don't, don't come in and do a one rep max back squat after Murph, right? Yeah. Rest your muscle a little bit. But I think the underlying thing to do best when you're really sore is restore the movement pattern restore the range of motion. And there's a couple of different avenues that you can do to do that. It can be foam rolling to help flush out the lactic acid. It can be just achieving basic movements 
achieving a deep squat with assistance and hanging out in that deep squat, that primal chair position for a couple minutes, you know, stretching out the shoulders and chest, stretching out the lats, foam rolling the lats, uh, just restoring the range of motion and the movement patterns in our bodies. I think that is going to help people bounce back faster when they're sore. Because when they come in, they are sore from workout and they come in, they move their body a little bit. Don't be afraid to decrease the intensity. Don't be afraid to decrease the load if you're sore. And nine times out of 10, when people finish a workout the next day or the day after, I look at them and say, hey, you feel better? And they're like, yeah. I feel better because the heart rate starts moving and it flushes the lactic acid out of the muscles and you just restore those basic movement patterns again. It goes light years, uh, helps people recover really, really well. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Movement, get that blood flowing again, uh, get that range of motion back. Yep. The worst thing you can do is go home, lay on the couch for three days. Yes, and the lactic acid <laughs> just pulls in your muscles. It just kind of pulls there. Just, you know, it, it, makes you, it makes you even more stiff and sore. It's the easy thing to do, yeah. right, to lay there and kind of veg out and watch TV, but it's not going to help. It's going to de- It's going to increase the amount of time that you're sore. It's not going to decrease the amount of time you're sore. You need to restore the range of motion. Well, we are over on this episode, so we're going to call it a day. Uh, thanks for... Uh, being with me today, Marcus, and uh, hitting those questions pretty quick. Uh, I think we need to still get under that two minutes, but uh, <laughs> but we'll get there. So hope you like this one. If you have any questions, go ahead. I'll put my email address out on the community page again to get those questions from you, and we'll do this again. I, I really enjoyed the two-minute drill. Hope you did, and uh, the more questions we get from you, the better content we'll have. Thank you so much for being with us, and this was episode 15. We'll see you next time on episode 16.